Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, you can turn in your Bible there if you want to. You can follow along. These verses will be on the screen. But this is a word for you, and I want you to get it. You can leave here today the same way you came in. You can leave with as many problems. You can leave with the same mindset. You can leave with the same attitude. Or you can allow God to do something special in you today. And here's the thing. Everybody in this room doesn't even believe that they need God to do something for them. But there's a handful of people that know that we need him every hour. And we're counting on him to do something today because we believe he's alive and he's real. In Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The Bible says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God is a Repairer. Look at somebody and say, He can fix me. I preached a message one time. I'm not going to preach this, that message today, but I want, to get, want you to get the title before I pray this morning. The title of that message was, If You Leave Me Alone, Maybe God Will Fix Me. We serve a God who can still fix us. Do you believe that? Pray with me. God, thank you for being a repairer, and thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for your spirit, God, that guides us into all truth. And I pray now by your spirit that you would anoint me to say those things that would honor you. Teach us, God, today, I pray, from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. As I sought the Lord this week for a word that he would have to say to us, God led me to this passage of Scripture. And some of y'all know uh, that I have a lot of my own peculiarities. We all have our own quirks. One of the quirky things about me is the way I listen to music. I just listen to one song over and over and over again for hours. And they're typically very old songs, songs that you'd have to research, look up. They don't get played on the radio anymore uh, because they're not that popular because people don't always like the depth of a song. They like the feel of a song. I'll say it to you the way kids say it. I don't even pay attention to the words. I just like the beat. Mm. That's cover up because you know you can't say all those words in public. But let me keep going. I've been, I've been listening to this song all week long um, it's not my favorite genre of music, but the guy who sings it is, is probably uh, my favorite uh, Christian male vocalist as far as the talent of his voice. Uh, Keith Green is my favorite singer, but this guy, Michael English, uh, sang uh, this song about, uh, about God not throwing the clay away. And it comes out of this passage this week, and I've just been marinating on this all week long. And I want you to open your mind and your heart this morning as, as we look to the Scripture uh, to, to see what God would have us to know and what we should do in response. Before we get into the text, let, let me say something that hopefully you can understand and you can agree with. We live in a throwaway society. We, we live in, in a day and age where you could buy a new TV for less than it would cost you to fix your old TV. When I was bivocational in the lawn business, I've always been bivocational. I sold, started and sold three different lawn maintenance companies. Uh, but when I was in my first lawn maintenance company, one of my first commercial customers was a TV repair shop 
on Blanding Boulevard near Fast Eddie's Drug Shop. That's just a reference for some of y'all so y'all know where to find it. But I don't even know if Fast Eddie's is still there anymore. But I think about that guy every now and then because I don't think there's much need for TV repair people anymore. We live in such a society. People set stuff out on the street that, that folk in other countries would kill you for. I mean, it's so prevalent now, you can go to Craigslist, and, and they got it on the curb section. They've got a section to let people know, hey, just set a TV out there. It's working fine. There's washer and dryers on the curb. Don't need it anymore. But we live in a throwaway society. We live in a uh, get a new one, um, that, whether it's a TV, computer, other things that's cheaper to replace than fix. So we've learned how to get rid of things versus repairing them. And many times that rolls over even into people and even into relationships, whether it's a marriage or a friendship, whether it's your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. People are taught and are comfortable and accustomed to throwing things away instead of repairing them. But don't miss the title of this morning's message. God is a what? Repairer. God is about fixing things. Now, the media has painted a false picture of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to look like. Because contrary to all advertising, every woman that God created is not meant to be a size three with long, flowing, perfect, naturally curly hair. Anybody understand that? Some, some of the women should have said amen or elbowed their husband in the, in the rib cage right there. God, no, no, all of all the shapes and sizes men come in, they, they, every man is not meant by God to be six foot two, 220 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Somebody's got to be five foot nine and a half and cuddly. Try to teach me about no dieting plan. My body's built for comfort, not for speed. I'm good on the couch. You go get hurt with all that exercise. But the media makes it look like everybody is supposed to be perfect. There, there's a show. You might not like it. I don't really care. But it's funny to me. It's a show called Friends. And I was thinking about that show when God was speaking this message to me. There are no fat people on that show. And not a hair out of place. And, and, and everybody reasonably it looks okay. Um, that's not how life is. Even the most, now, now here, here's the one thing I've learned, and, and, and ladies, you can figure this out where you fit into this role. Good-looking women like to hang out with good-looking women. But they always let some fat, ugly chick hang out with them, too, just to look better by contrast. And, and so, but the, the image that you see on television, all these pretty people, all these perfectly shaped people, that's not in God's plan. How do I know that's not in God's plan? Because I'm looking at y'all. And I see me every morning when I brush my teeth. And, and I know that God didn't design everybody to look perfect and to be shaped Perfect, and I want you to get this this morning. I want you to know that God is for everybody. That's not to say he's not for the pretty people. I thank God he's for the pretty people. I don't want to be left out. Uh, don't get mad. Haters are going to hate. Haters are going to hate because haterade is free, and y'all stockpiling it. But, but God is for everybody, including the down and out, the short and fat, the bald and pudgy, uh, the, the bad-haired sister, the, 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 the ugly people who don't want to admit it. Mm. Matter of fact, God says that he didn't choose many mighty, many noble, or many wise people, but he chose the lesser things of this world. You're more likely to be chosen by God if you're ugly. <laughs> you're more likely to be chosen by God if you're broke. He, he, now, he said he didn't choose many mighty, many noble. He said he chose the lesser things. Of, of this world so he could put his power in them and confound the wise. It just blows me away when people are like, ooh, 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 Kanye, Kanye done got saved. Oh, think of all that God's about to do. through. And people used to always say, oh, if Michael Jackson would just get saved. Oh, if, if, if Prince would just get if so-and-so would just get saved. Think of what God could do. Listen, 
God is not into saving rich and powerful and famous people. If Kanye has 5,000 people show up at his church, sir, Kanye could have 5,000 people show up to a satanic Bible reading cult message. I'm not saying that he would, and, and, and I thank God for some of the things that I've heard, but he could get the credit for it. If someone rich and powerful, if God did something through someone that was good-looking, rich, and powerful, they could get the credit for it. But if God does something awesome through people like us, the world is going to know that had to be God because there's no way they could have done that on their own. But I want you to know that God is for you this morning. The, The message that the world shouts to us every day, though, is that if we're broken or imperfect, that we should be thrown away. But I thank God, God is not a throwaway God. God is a repairing God. The the message of the Bible is that if we're broken, we can be fixed by this God who is a repairer. But even inside the church, even inside saved people, uh, their self-image gets shot sometimes when they've made mistakes or even willfully plunged headlong into sin, and and they don't feel worthy to serve the Lord. I got a newsflash for you today. Extra, extra, read all about it. Everybody worrying about whether or not they're worthy to serve God? Here's the newsflash. No one is worthy to serve God except Jesus. God is not waiting on us to get perfect to love us, and God is not waiting on us to get perfect to use us. God just wants to put you on a wheel. And we're going to see that in just a moment. But the two types of people uh, in, in, in the world in regard to this context I'm talking about, as far as perfect and imperfect, as far as people who are broken or not broken, there, there are people who admit their problems, and there are people who try to hide their problems. And I want to tell you something, just another news flash for you. Most people think they're better at hiding their problems than they really are. You think you're fooling everybody. You think, oh, they think I got it all together. Probably not. But even if you can't fool people, you can't fool God. And so there are people who admit that they have problems, and there are people who try to cover up their problems. And I want you to hear what the Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. It doesn't say that to get mercy uh, or prosperity, you have to be perfect without sin. It says people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. This verse right here alone and thousands others in the Bible, but even just on this verse, this should cause Christians to stop acting like they have it all together. There's a promise here. Uh, if you acting like you've got it all together, then you're not going to have prosperity in your life. And don't just think money, think relationship, think intimacy with God, think anointing, think ministry, think success. But if you confess and turn from your sins, the Bible promises that you will receive mercy. Stop beating yourself up every time you mess up. Stop beating yourself up every time you realize how broken and damaged you are. Stop beating yourself up every time you realize how short you come on the measuring stick and start confessing your sins and turning from them because that's the guaranteed way to have mercy but it's it's this throwaway mentality it's this cover up and make it try to look like it's better than it is for some of y'all that do work on your own vehicles it's like having a spot of rust on your car you know you can buy some three dollar touch-up paint and paint right over that little bubble rust but but real car people know that's not going to work that, that, that's going to be a bigger problem down the road. That rust is not going to go away because you slapped some cover-up paint over top of it. You got to strip that paint. Uh, you got to strip that paint down. You got you to strip that rust away and get down to the problem and deal with it. But people don't like to get down to the problem and deal with it because it's ugly. It's hard work. That's why I could have never been... Uh, a doctor. Some of y'all, uh, y'all, y'all like these shows. They got a TV show. I don't even know what channel it is, but they, somebody needs to sue them out of business. A TV show titled Pimple Popper. 
You know the channel and you say it's disgusting. Oh, they, they turned it on. Oh, it's nasty, ain't it? And, and they show people smashing cysts, shooting goo across the... And I'm thinking, oh, come on now. I just had cereal. That is not helping me. But I, I, I don't like to... Look, Seth used to like to love to watch surgery shows. He'd call me in the room, hey, Dad, come here. And I think, what's wrong, son? And he'd point to something on TV, and it has somebody's chest all peeled open and heart. I'm like, I'm not trying to look at all that. But the reality is, in our lives, some stuff that is, needs to be fixed can be ugly, but it's got to be scraped away, and you got to get down to the real problem. I want to tell you something. You can keep going in life the way you are, or you can get down to fixing the real issue. You can keep covering up your imperfections with, with cover-up paint and thinking that you're doing okay, or you can let God get down to fixing you. In a world of disposable things like paper plates and plastic forks, we become accustomed to throwing things away, and we don't want to deal with the hard work of repairing things uh, because it's, it's tough and it can be ugly. Uh, and it only takes a couple of minutes to cover them up. But I want us to see today that God has a better way than covering things up. This is what people do when they come to church. And y'all know it, if you, especially if you've been to other churches. Uh, we try not to put on a, a show at Abundant Life. We, we, don't, we don't come in here and change our voice to preach and act all, you know, perfect. And I let people know I'm, I'm an imperfect person serving a perfect God just like you are. But people come to church and they try to look better than they are. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with putting your best foot forward. And obviously, you just don't want to walk in church cussing folk out. That shouldn't be you to begin with. But people faking it to come to church need to realize God sees. And he would rather you deal with the issue and let him fix it than just try to cover things up. Let's look at the word and see what God has to say. In verse 1 of Jeremiah chapter 18, the Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Hey, cut that heat off for me. It's all in my voice. Just turn the whole system off. So not no fan blowing, not anything. Just turn the whole system off. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, verse 2, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. So Jeremiah hears the command from God. Now here's some backdrop, some context for you. Jeremiah's been preaching to a people who are on the verge of judgment. They've been covering sins. They've been faking it. They've been pretending to be better than they are. Uh, they've been needing to be, let the Lord repair them, but they weren't obeying God's word. So Jeremiah has, was seeking a fresh word to speak to the people as a prophet that could change their situation. And God tells Jeremiah to do two things. Number one, he tells him to get up. And number two, he tells him to go somewhere. And that's still a word for us today. Not, not necessarily stand up and move to a different chair, but start doing something. God is about that action. God sees too many people are, tell me when I ask them how they're doing. Well, I'm just holding on. Nowhere in the Bible is, does that say what God is going to bless is us holding. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to come back. If you're sitting still while you're waiting on someone, you're not a very good waiter. It's about serving as you wait. It's about obeying as you wait. It's about getting up and doing something, and God wants us to take action. Because if you're not in your action mode, you are in a rut. If you're not out there getting up and going, if you're not out there moving and shaking, if you're not out there making things happen, advancing the kingdom of God, then you don't have to wonder if you're in a rut. You're already in a rut. You're just doing the same things over and over. Uh, but sometimes if you want change, you got to do something different to have something different. And God could have told Jeremiah to go anywhere. He, he, he could have told him right where he was, what he wanted him to know. But God said, get up and go to the potter's house. Now, where he went is not really as important as, as that he went. You need to stop waiting to figure out everything God has for you to do, and you need to start doing. The Bible says what your hand finds to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. And God sends Jeremiah to, into motion, and he tells him to go 
to the potter's house. He, he didn't have to take him to a potter's house. He just wanted to tell Jeremiah to do something so Jeremiah would do it so God could bless him. I want to tell some of y'all, when's God going to bless me, folk, this morning? Soon as you obey him. God telling you to do stuff, why don't you do some of it and plant a seed so that God can bless you with a harvest. So God tells Jeremiah what to do, and Jeremiah gets up and goes, and that's exactly what we need to do. Not necessarily get up and go, but we need to obey God completely and immediately. There was no waiting period here. There was, well, let me pray about it. Let, let me think about let me let me let me consider listen sometimes people pray when they should do well how dare you pastor scott i told people there's some things you don't have to pray about and i've had religious people say well how dare you we should pray about everything well let, let me just test you on this do you have to pray about whether or not you should shoot somebody in the face at walmart Do you have to pray about whether or not you should rob a bank this week? Do you have to pray about whether or not you should commit adultery against your spouse? You don't have to pray about certain things. You just have to do the right thing in these areas. And some people need to hear action is the call. Now, let's look at verse 3 in our text. Jer uh, Jeremiah 18.3 says, Then I went down to the potter's house. And there he was making something at the wheel. Now, we're going to see this story. This is an Old Testament parable. There's an analogy here, and we're going to look for who represents what and how it applies to us this morning. So Jeremiah is going down to witness this, this visual parable, and the Bible says he went to the potter's house, and there he was. The, the potter was at his house, and he was making something at the the potter's wheel. Now, in this story, the potter is going to represent, anybody know who? God. Say God. The potter is working this work on the wheel. Now, if you study Old Testament pottery, and they may even still have uh, old-fashioned machines like this, but the potter would sit at his wheel, and there were two wheels, two round stones. One, he would work with his feet, and that would turn the wheel on top that he would work the clay. There was the bottom wheel and the top wheel, and he would spin the wheel uh, so he could work with the clay. Now, I told you, the potter is the Lord. Guess who's the clay? If you listen to any good hymns, you already know this stuff. Or if you read the Bible a couple times, you already know this stuff. So God is the potter, and we are the clay. Are you following me? God is the potter, we are the clay, but think about that stone wheel that, that the potter is smashing the clay into. Think about that stone wheel that is spinning the clay around. That stone wheel is the world we live in. It's cold, it's hard, and sometimes it feels like it's spinning out of control. It's a thing that we're getting smashed into constantly. It's a thing that is shaping us for the better or for the worse. How many, many y'all know sometimes you let God shape you and mold you for the better. Sometimes the world shapes you and molds you for the worse. So Sometimes we, we can say, um, as, as it's been said by others, th this isn't who I am. This is what I became. Mm. Keep living. You, you'll catch up to that. But Jeremiah goes down to obey God because God's got something for him to see inside this, this parable of this potter and this clay. And God is the potter. We are the clay. The world is cold. It's hard. It's spinning all the time. But I, wanna, I, I want you to be sure that you understand this this morning. Who is causing the wheel to spin? God. Who is causing the wheel to spin faster or slower? God. Too many times people, well, the devil. Well, my boss. Well, the system. Well, the politician. No, God is always in control. He's in control of the wheel. He's in control of the clay. And he's in control of everything else. Some of y'all, if you, 
if you'd be honest and testify this morning, you would admit that you feel like now or at times in your life, your world has been spinning chaotically and out of control. I want you to know it was never out of control. God has his feet on the wheel, making the wheel spin how he wants it to spin. Well, why did this happen to me? Well, why did I have to go through that? Well, why was this situation so difficult? Well, why was it so hard? Because God had you on a wheel, and he was spinning that wheel for his purpose. Now, I believe personally you can get, you can get through with this process faster or slower. Mm, y'all not catching up to it. You, you can stay in this, in this pottery situation spinning around, or you can get out of it faster. Think about the clay. If you study any clay making, if you watch a video on clay making, or if you just have a good imagination, you'll understand. The harder the clay is, the more smashing it gets on the wheel. Who did I say the clay was? We're the clay. Listen to me, hard-headed people. Stubborn folk, don't want to bend to the potter's hand folk, don't want to be molded the way the potter wants to mold you. Here's what you got. Here's your portion in life. Smashing down on the clay, on the cold, hard stone of life, and spinning out of control, and just, wow, not fun. Now, some of y'all are crazy, and you like crazy. Some, some of y'all just love roller coasters that shake you all up. Listen, that might be okay for a minute and a half of your time, but that's nowhere to live all day long. You need to get off this wheel as fast as you can. You need to get through this process as fast as you can, and if you resist, you're like, well, what kind of clay? How can the clay resist the potter? Well, it's a metaphor, but the reality is the clay understands this if the clay could think. In this story, the clay thinks and the clay understands. The potter's hand are stronger than the clay's resistance. Now, that should be enough right there for us to be done. The potter's hands are stronger than the clay's ability to resist. And not only is he using his hands, he's spinning your world. He's spinning your world to shake you up, to put you in a place where you'll yield to what he's doing. And in pottery, not only does the potter put his hands on the clay, spin the wheel, smash it, and knead it into that chaos when it's not complying, when, when it's not moldable to just the right way, he'll take and he'll pour some water on it. He'll take and he'll pour some water on it to soften it up. He'll pour some water on it to make it more moldable, to make it more pliable. And we're talking about what represents what. Many times in the Bible, including in this story, water is a symbol of the holy what? I just gave you all that in case you all didn't know where I was going with that. The Holy Spirit many times is symbolized on this water. And as God, as God is trying to mold us, as God is spinning our world sometimes out of control because we're not complying, as God is putting his heavy hands on us because we won't yield to the light touch, sometimes God just has to saturate us with the Holy Spirit to make us more moldable. That's why uh, hymn writers write songs like rain down on us. Uh, the Holy Spirit is represented by water, but also the word of God is represented by water in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 5, the scripture talks about washing us with the water of the word. So the, the spirit of God and the word of God are designed to be used in connection with the hand of God to soften us up and make us moldable. So what happens to people who aren't opening up the Bible? Hard. What happens to hard clay that's resisting the potter? He got to smash it harder. He got to put the heavy hand on it. He's got to spin the wheel faster and maybe just drown it in some water to get its attention. I wonder how many of y'all lives been spinning out of control. I wonder how many of y'all, if you'd be honest, would say, I just need to comply. 
mm, hard-headed people have a hard life. I had an old man tell me one time uh, he, he was insulting my intelligence, but he was right about it because I, I was young and stupid. He, he said, boy, you're just young and dumb, ain't you? I said, yeah, pretty much. And he told me this, and it stuck with me forever, and I want you to get this too. He said, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough because life's hard on stupid people. And that hasn't changed, and that's not going to change. God's Word says the way of the transgressor is hard. Some of y'all wonder why your life's been so hard. Some of y'all wonder why you keep going through. Some of y'all wonder why other people seem to be advancing, but you seem to stay stuck. You're not getting off that wheel until the potter has shaped you the way he wants to shape you. The world is not going to quit spinning until you comply. So the reality is... Get it now so you can move on. There's another stage. You don't always have to be on this wheel. Now, you're always going to go back to the wheel. You're always going to have a time and thank God for his willingness to put us back on the wheel. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says that God is going to keep spinning you until he makes you the vessel that he wants you to be. Some people comply quickly and life goes easy for them. Some people resist and he has to put the hard hand on them. The Bible says it this way, that you can fall on the rock and be bruised by it, or the rock can fall on you and you can be crushed by it. But either way, the rock wins. The rock is the word of God, and the word of God is going to have its way. Look at verse 4. In Jeremiah 18, 4, it says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Now, let's catch back up. Who is the potter in this story? God is the potter. Who is the clay in this story? Something is marred. Is it the potter or is it the clay? Marred means messed up. Marred means not turning out the way it should. Marred means it's got some issues in it. It's got cracks in it. It's got broken pieces. It's not shaping up just right. Anybody know that's us? Oh, see, the, the good news is you can jump on the wheel anytime you want to and ask God to mold you and shape you. But you got to realize that you're marred and you need the potter to mold you. And, and here's, here, here's the, the, the greatest news. And this is where that song came from that I referenced earlier. It says, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Now, if you talk to people who work with pottery, there is clay that sometimes just won't mold right. There is lumpy, busted clay. They've tried watering it. They've tried spinning it. They've tried molding it. They've tried rewatering it, adding more clay to it, and it just didn't work. And guess what earthly potters do with that kind of clay? They throw that out, and they get another piece of clay to mold. But God is not a God who throws away his people. That song I referenced, I hope somebody will look it up this week. Uh, a part of the song, uh, Michael English said, I bless the day he didn't throw the clay away. And I want to tell you something. Your life, my life, if you're on God's wheel, we are all broken people. We are all marred people. We have cracks in, 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 in our pottery. And you ought to thank God that he keeps his hand on you. You ought to thank God that he continues to pour his water on you. You ought to thank God that he's willing to keep molding broken, messed up vessels instead of throwing them away. Because God doesn't need us the way we need him. And he takes that, he takes it, and he molds it, and he shapes it. So don't miss the punchline. We can be remade. There should not be one person in this room. Now, I've heard people say, there's not one thing I'd change in my life. I've heard people ask the question, if you could do anything different, what would you do? Nothing. I like the way it turns. Listen, if that's you, you need therapy. Now, I understand all of your experiences made you where you are, and you might be happy about where you are, but I want you to get the punchline this morning. God wants to remake us into another vessel that seems good to him. There is better life in his hand than there is outside of his hand, and we can be remade. The, the text says the clay was marred. That word marred in the Hebrew means spoiled rotten, 
or ruined. Who did I say the clay was? We're the clay in this story. And the clay represents our life. And our life through living becomes spoiled. It becomes jacked up. It, it has cracks and, and, it, and it gets rotten and it becomes lumpy. And I want you to know if your life is lumpy, if you have messed up broken pieces, you don't need to keep trying to cover those up. You need to comply to the potter's hand. You need to understand that wheel is the cold reality of life that is spinning and spinning and spinning. And some of y'all have been on this spin ride for too long and you haven't changed the shape that you're in. All you got to do is get into God, let God get into you, let him have his way in your life so you can get off this wheel. I thank God that he didn't throw this clay away. He just wraps his hands on it and he molds it and he shapes it and he makes it. And that's what he wants to do with you. There's an old hymn that we used to sing way back when called Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And it says, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. I'm going to wrap this up right now. We're going to get out of here earlier than we've ever gotten out of here before in life. I want you to understand what I've said. So let me recap. Who's the potter? God is the potter. Who's the clay? The clay's messed up. The clay has lumps in it. The potter has a wheel. The wheel represents life, and he just spins it around, and he smashes us down into it, and he's trying to fix us, and he's trying to shape us. Some of y'all need to quit resisting this process and just say, have your way, God. Some of y'all, people make up expressions like, I've been running from the Lord. Where are you going to run? The Bible says God is everywhere. If you go up to the highest mountain, God is there. If you go to the bottom of the ocean, God is there. There's nowhere to run from God. You, you think because your life's not working out the way you want it to that you can resist the wheel and you can resist the potter. But the potter wants to make you into something better. He doesn't want to throw you away. He doesn't want to discount who you are. He doesn't want to say that the, that the, the clay is not usable. I want you to know God is a repairer. And he can fix every crack in your life. God is a repairer. And he can fix every broken spot in your life. God is a repairer. And he can take your clay. And he can make it into another vessel. One that will seem good to the potter to make. But for that to happen, a whole lot of difficulty comes because he spins that wheel. You've been spinning on this wheel for a long time, some of you. And you keep wondering when it's going to get better. It's not going to get better till you yield to his hand. You've been wondering when's it going to smooth out. It's not going to smooth out till you let him smooth you out. See, so many people want life to get better. God wants us to get better. So many people want other folk to change. God wants us to change. See, the victim mentality that the media pushes down our throats to say that it's everyone else's fault is not found in Scripture. It has to start with us. When are you going to let God shape you into something better? As many people won't because they think, I'm fine. I don't need God. Keep living. If that's really your theory, judgment day is going to be extra hard on you. When you realize God gave you an opportunity to find forgiveness, redemption, love, and shaping, molding potter's hand. But you chose your own way. I want to urge you this morning, don't choose your own way. Choose God's way. Every one of us is on this wheel of life. And the wheel of life is a hard, cold slab. And it spins and it spins and it spins. But the potter is kind and he's loving. He's gentle and he's caring. And if you will receive the water of his word and the saturation of his spirit 
the molding process doesn't have to be as hard as life has been on you. Oh, it's always difficult. It's always difficult. God, God, by design, through his spirit and through his word, it's as if he's taking sandpaper and, and, and sanding off the rough edges of our life. And many times that's difficult. Many times that's painful. Just like being clay on a wheel. But it doesn't have to last forever. The faster you yield to it, the easier it'll be. I didn't learn the lesson from my mother that my children learned from me. See, my mother used to spank me just wildly. Some of y'all grew up with moms like that. My mom would hit me with anything that was close. And I'm serious. Baseball bat, golf club, uh, extension cord, fly swatter, belt, hand, whatever. But my mom would hold me by my wrist and chase me around in a circle. And God's my witness. There, there would be, my, my sister's in the room. She went through not as much of the same stuff because she was smarter than me. Still is. And, but she, she, she's here to testify. Was that like one or two swats? Until she, 30, 50, 100, screaming the whole time. Shut that up. Shut, you better shut it up. You better dry it up. You better, you better shut that up before I give you something to cry about. And I'm thinking. But the whole time I was resisting her. I was running and getting nowhere. She had me by my wrist, and she was chasing me around in circles as I ran. See, I never, I, I didn't give my kids that option. I never tried to grab them by the wrist. Uh, my, my kids were taught compliance early, and there was going to be no chasing you around in circles. My kids were told from the time they were smallest, e e even until now, when it comes time for that, go to my room. Take off all your clothes, underwear too, butt naked, lay on my bed, on your stomach. I'm not chasing you around this room, and you are going to comply. But it's usually a two to three hit journey. And there's no screaming, dry it up, shut it up. And there's no chasing anybody around the room. It's a quick process, and it's over, and they get to put their clothes back on and go back about their business. Why wouldn't you be that smart? See, nobody likes discipline. Discipline's hard. It's uncomfortable by design. Nobody likes the chastening hand of the Lord, but God said, whom he loves, he chastens. A good father disciplines his wayward children, but you, you don't have to be chased around in a circle and beat from the top of your head to the bottom of your ankles if you just stop running. Lay down in the presence of the Lord. Lay your life open to God and say, have thine own way, Lord. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me, shape me. Some of y'all want to be a cup. God's making you a bowl. You keep trying to be a cup. He's just going to smash you back down to nothing. Pour some water on you, spin that world around. Put you through more chaos, more needing. Because he's going to have his way. I said, God is the potter. We're the clay. I said, the wheel, that cold slab represents what? Anybody remember? Who owns that world? It's God's world. It's God's wheel. I've had so many people ask me, um, well, well why, why do you think? that I should have to do thus and thus and so and so and how is it fair that this and that and, and, and this and that. It's God's world. He makes the rules. It's God's wheel. He spins it how he wants to. See, God's always in control. But he takes a time where when the clay yields, receives the water, softens up, and it becomes something that seems good 
to the potter. If God wants you to be a cup or a bowl, a saucer, a plate, stop resisting what God has for you. The people that resist don't believe that he knows better than they do. And I came today to tell you in closing, God knows better than we do. God's plan for your life is better than your own plan for your life. God knows what he created you for and why he put you here on this planet. I hate to see people I care about life spinning out of control, wondering why they can never seem to get their feet under them, wondering why they can never seem to get things together. The answer is they keep running around in circles because they just won't lay down. Be still and let God have his way. God's going to have his way. See, this is why some do, some don't, but this is why some people from military backgrounds, or even if you weren't in the military, I thank God for the years I was in the Army, but even if you weren't in the military, you can have a military mindset, and you got to understand. Sergeant Major, when you were commanding troops, and, and you knew what the orders were, were you going to get your way? What if they didn't like that? They were going to have to comply. They were going to have to do, listen, you got to understand, and this is what the military will help you understand. You can resist it if you want to, but the boss is going to get his way. Why are you resisting God, young person, sir, ma'am? Why are you resisting what God has for you? Stop blaming life. Stop blaming other people for why your world is so chaotic. And realize, God's just spinning me. Maybe I should lay here and take it. If God is going to get his way one way or the other, wouldn't it be better just to let him have his way now? If God's going to get his way one way or the other, and he is, wouldn't it be better just to take it now instead of dragging it on for a lifetime? There are people who never get off this spinning wheel. And their whole life is spinning on a cold slab, being pressed down on by life and by God. Because they just won't yield to his touch. Please know he loves you. Please know his way is better than your way. He wants to make you into something. He doesn't want to throw you away. He doesn't want to go find a different piece of clay. And some of y'all, if you tell the truth, you want, you'd rather he do that. You'd rather he just leave you alone. Stop trying to fix you. Go fix somebody else, God, because I'm beyond repair. But you're not beyond repair because God is a repairer. And he's not going to give up on you. So you can get through the process or you can stay in it. Some of you aren't even on the wheel yet. Some of you aren't even saved yet. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I want you to know this. God has already done all the work at the cross. He sent his son to die for you. The Bible says that when God created Adam and Eve, they were perfect and without sin. But because they chose to sin against God, that sin separated people from God. And God had to send a sacrifice because the Bible says the payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. And if you will trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can be brought back to agreement with God. You can be made one with God again, just like original design was between God and His creation. But as long as you keep trying your way, life's just going to be hard and spinning crazy on you. Some of you need to get saved. Some of you, if you be honest, you say, well, I've tried all that before, and it didn't work. I tried again. The Bible says you'll only find God when you search for Him with your whole heart. If you're here and you're not sure about your salvation, the Bible says if you will call on His name, He'll save you. If you'll confess your sins, He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Some of you need to call out to God today and just say, Look, God, I'm tired of playing. Some of y'all know the church game as good as I do. Some of y'all know how to quote Scripture and talk about the Lord. But it is not well with your soul. And you know on the inside, 
You can talk about it, but you don't have it deep down. Some of y'all just need to yield and say, I'm really going to get saved today, no matter what anybody thinks. Some of y'all worrying, what will people think? Christians will be happy. And God will make you into the vessel he created you to be. Some of you are truly saved, and you're just hard-headed. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. That's spinning. It's just going to keep happening. That pressing down by the potter's hand is going to keep happening. Yield today to what God would have you to do. If you're physically able, I want you to stand on your feet and pray with me. God, thank you for loving us enough to repair us. Thank you for loving us enough to not throw us away. Thank you for loving us enough to have a purpose and a plan for your creation, God. Thank you for molding us and shaping us, God. Thank you for the water of your word and your spirit, God. I pray today that you would save the lost, recover the backslider. God, I pray right now for every person in this room that is unsaved. I pray that you would give them an uneasy feeling right now, God. I pray that you would give them an awareness of their need for salvation. You said that no one can come to you unless your spirit draws them. I pray right now, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would pull down every stronghold that is hindering people from coming to you, God, and that you would have your way by faith. Lord, I pray that you would save the lost, God, for every person in this room who is saved, God, but is resisting your loving hand, your molding and your shaping hand and it's this world spinning out of control God I pray Lord that they would turn to you in compliance today that they would yield to you God that they would repent of their transgressions and their hardship God and they would become moldable in your hand Father I pray that you would shape us mold us into something that you see fit God you are the potter and we're the clay and I ask you to do your work today as only you can in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world Your support is greatly appreciated If you would like to give a donation please go to aocfnow.org Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.